um, my sun sign is a super massive black hole. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I just suck out all the food. <laughs> 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 there she is. <laughs> there she is. Hello. Hello. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And this is the Insomnia Report. Episode six. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, Wilson, wow. Hey, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's round two of things we wish we learned in school. I hope you're ready to get educated today. I am, and I hope you're ready to be educated. I'm going to light the candle. And you're going to tell me <laughs> what has kept you up this week and being very assertive. Um, well, if you insist. I um, do. I do. Uh, well, last time we recorded, we thought that by the time we recorded this one, we'd be on the other side of the election. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They're taking their sweet old time. It's not the case. Looking at you, Nevada. Nevada. So yeah, the election <laughs> has... <laughs> so yeah, back to my story. <laughs> has kept me up at night. That's all I really have to say. I know on... Uh, on Tuesday, we, like, stayed up really late. Expecting f- something to happen, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and I fell asleep on the couch. She did. And we're still waiting for something to happen. I mean, it seems like it's going in, in a particular direction. Yeah. So that's good. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about you? We finished Twilight. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I'm obsessed. Um... I don't really have CGI baby anyone. CGI <laughs> that kept me up at night for sure. That I don't know who like looked at that in post production was like that looks good. <laughs> I just remember like there was a an instant where like everyone was looking at someone and they're glaring and the baby was also glaring. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, I I'm up to bat first. Yes, you are first. The main thing that sparked my interest for this topic was several things. Number one was my inspiration was from when we sucked up that little very big spider in my bedroom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... With the vacuum. Right, exactly. And rest in peace, little guy. But the second one was a song from Twilight. <laughs> okay. Do you see a theme? I'm trying to keep going. So I know in school we did cover this, but I think it was like back in elementary school when we learned, when we learned the acronym, my very energetic mother just served us nine pizzas. You still, do you know where I'm going? AKA Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Oh. Yep. I'm the planets, the planets more. So I want to talk about how I like my space. Okay. So, okay. We can go down that road if you want to go down. (laughs) You want to fight about it. (laughs) So, um, I would like to present to you what I will be calling a crash and burn course. 
So first we have Mercury. It's the fastest planet and the closest to the sun. So one year on Mercury is only 88 Earth days. Wow. I said Earth weird. <laughs> Earth. <laughs> <clears throat> and Mercury just, we don't like her. Because she's in retrograde all the time. She makes me crazy, okay? Like, I apologize for anyone who crosses my path. I will literally, like, cry over nothing and be hiding under my desk. And then I'm like, oh, makes sense. So, one year, only 88 Earth days. It's the smallest if you don't count Pluto. We'll talk about Pluto later. And one day on Mercury, so how long it takes to rotate once with respect to the stars, is 59 Earth days. I keep saying Earth. (laughs) (laughs) so one day on mercury is 59 earth days and one night is about 176 earth days the long night yes wow that you thought winters were long (laughs) (laughs) so next we have venus who is my favorite sailor scout from sailor moon and she's hot and thick the planet i mean not the anime character I am, like, I'm serious. She has a thick, toxic atmosphere that is filled with carbon dioxide. Oh. (laughs) Well, let's not go there. (laughs) She is about the same size as Earth, uh, and they are said to be sisters. But, I mean, they're not twins. Like your eyebrows, they should be sisters, not twins. And one day on Venus is 243 Earth days. And Venus spins backwards, so the sun rises in the west and it sets in the east. Holy cow. I know. Wait, how long is a year on Venus? Do you know? That's a good question. One year on Venus is 225 days. Earth days. Sorry. Uh, So there's 365 days in a year and there's 243 Earth days. How long is one Earth day on Venus, you said? One, so a, a year is how long it takes to orbit around the sun. So because yeah. it's closer to the sun, it takes less days. Uh-huh. Um, so one day on Venus is 243 Earth days. So the day is the same amount as the year or close to it? Maybe that was a typo. No, it's okay. Sorry. I, I'm, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Space is crazy. Yeah, no, one day is 166 days, 18 hours, and zero minutes. That's really long. Yeah, you know, she takes her time to rotate. So the winds on Venus are so strong that it's like a constant hurricane, and the clouds on Venus go around the planet every five days. Throwing a lot of numbers at you. Wow. Yeah. So basically one day is basically a year, and then it takes the clouds five earth days to go around the sun because it's a constant hurricane holy cow earth i i hope you know about earth i've heard of it (laughs) it's our home uh the earth is about one thousand years the name i'm sorry the name earth is about (laughs) (laughs) the dinosaurs didn't exist (laughs) no and and by the way it's flat it's the only flat planet um (laughs) The name Earth is about 1,000 years old, and all of the planets were named after Greek or Roman gods or goddesses, except for Earth. It, oh. Earth is just a Germanic word that means ground. 
<laughs> creative <laughs> oh really so it's not that's interesting i didn't know that yeah cool and it is our only planet on the solar system with liquid water on the surface so mars one day on mars is just a little longer than 24 hours but it takes 687 earth days to rotate around the sun so almost two years so mars is the most explored planet obviously aside from earth and it's red because of the iron minerals in the soil and as it oxidizes it makes the atmosphere red the most recent rover the mars perseverance launched actually this july of this year july of 2020 oh yeah i did i do remember that and its mission if you did not know is to find signs of ancient life and collect samples of the surface Thanks, Rover. Thanks, Roby. The The goal is, I mean, the broad picture, uh, the main goal of Roby, Perseverance Roby, my man, is uh, to help future astronauts take on the landscape. So no man, woman, child, monkey, anything has, you know, stepped foot on Mars yet. So hopefully Rover will do more analysis to figure out if it is safe or what or what the best way to go about it is would you go to mars no 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 that's cute though (laughs) (laughs) so jupiter is the largest planet and it has a red spot on the you know when you look at it it has a red spot and that's actually a storm that is bigger than earth it's twice the size of earth my mind, like, can't even comprehend that. <laughs> One year is 4,333 Earth days, or 12 years, and one day is 10 hours, which is wild. But it's just, like, wow. all these numbers and all everything. Jupiter is a gas planet made of hydrogen and helium. Jupiter has 75 moons, and the gravity of Jupiter is so strong that it protects Earth from a lot of collisions oh thank you thanks jupiter jupiter thanks for looking out saturn is the second largest planet and it's made up of hydrogen and helium so 29 earth years to orbit and 10 to 11 hours to have a day it has seven rings and it is mostly accumulated of dust other particles and ice that's trapped by its gravity it's about 240,000 miles or 400,000 kilometers wide. Scientists have ideas about Saturn's rings, but no one really knows for sure if they're like solid or if it's just, you know, all the particles around. Like they. Oh my God, that's so weird. TBD. Something also to note is Saturn and Jupiter, they both might have a solid core under all the gas like Earth, but that's also to be determined because they're both gas planets so they don't know if there's like a hard center or not so again tbd wow and there is a mini solar system around saturn that has 53 moons a mini solar system i mean i just like that's not the official term it just has 53 moons i'm like oh that's that's so cool yeah so Um, many moons i'm jealous i want more moons (laughs) (laughs) can we have one (laughs) No, if we had more moons, it'd probably mess up, like, everything on Earth, so... 100%. Never mind. And the tidal waves and, and... So, Uranus is also known as the sideways planet because it rotates on its side. So, you know, Earth, we rotate horizontally. Uranus 
is vertical. Whoa. So it was discovered by William Herschel in 1781, who originally thought it was a comet. And additionally, this was the first planet to be discovered by a telescope. So what did they use before telescopes? Did they just like look at the sky and are like, that looks like a planet? (laughs) Well, I mean, some of them could be seen by a naked eye. And I think it was because like how bright certain things were and how they moved. Right. Um, Okay. That's amazing, honestly. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to do back (laughs) then, you know, so I would look at the sky too and be like, huh. Uranus is a little <laughs> a little closer today. <laughs> I saw a tweet today that was like, I've processed more information in the last 48 hours than a medieval peasant would have in their entire <laughs> lifetime. That's <laughs> uh, probably true. I can look into that further. So Herschel actually tried to name Uranus after... Uh, King George the Third, but that didn't fly. So they called it Uranus. I don't know if that was a blow to him or not. Who <laughs> is the Greek god of the sky? Okay, that's a that's a that's a good compliment. A 17-hour rotation, but one year is 84 Earth years. Oh my God! We have Neptune, who is an ice giant, and it's actually kind of nerdy as this was the first planet discovered by math calculations so one year on neptune is 60,190 earth days neptune is kind of shy because it's the only planet that is not noticeable by the naked eye in 2011 it completed its first 165 year orbit since it was discovered whoa neptune is the solar system's windiest world, which on average, the winds are anywhere from 1,200 miles per hour. Living in the Windy City, that's inspiring. An honorable mention is Pluto, because when we were kids, it was a planet, but in 2006, they decided to be assholes and deemed it wasn't a planet, but it's a dwarf planet. So Pluto is smaller than our moon, but it has a sweet little heart-shaped glacier. One day is six Earth days, but one year is 248 Earth years. Fun fact about Pluto, it was actually named by an 11-year-old girl in the 1930s, and she was from Oxford, England. She suggested the name to her grandfather and was like, you know what, you should name it after the god of the underworld. And he was like, okay, cool, I'll pass it along. (laughs) And now it's Pluto. So something interesting about that is 1930 is when, you know, it was discovered. That was around the time that Walt Disney created Mickey. So that's why he named, it's expected that that's why he named his dog Pluto, Uh, because it was like a popular thing at the time. That's cool. Yeah. Now remember, we're going to go back to the beginning. Remember when I said inspiration was not only from a spider, but from a Twilight song? Yeah. Black Holes is definitely something that keeps me up. Thanks, Muse. (laughs) Thanks, Muse. So black holes, they don't make any sense. So here is where the crash and burn of my crash course comes in. So a black hole is formed when a star dies. Rest in peace. And it takes about 10 million years for a star to collapse. That's a long time. That's a long time. It's a really long time. Uh, So the most understood and simple way to explain this is when a star reaches the end of its life, it implodes and collapses under its own gravity, which is really deep. 
black holes get bigger or more massive when they consume the matter around them. So a black hole the size of an atom has the mass of a large mountain. I know. I, I my, got that from my NASA. mind is like <laughs> <laughs> I know this is this is why it like keeps me up because I, I remember I was explaining a black hole to one of my friends once and then she's like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard I'm like that's I mean I'm not making that up and she's like oh really it's so it just if you think too much about space it like really yeah freaks you out which obviously is why you're talking about it right it's like it just puts everything in perspective. Right. Like, of. we are ants in the grand scheme of things. It's just, yeah. it's so, mm. yep. Okay. Anywho, so there's still a lot of things that are unknown about black holes, obviously. The gravitational force is so intense that nothing, not even light, can escape. So scientists can't directly absorb them with telescopes or x-rays or, or any sort of light. It, it doesn't go through at all. So they infer the presence based on what's going around with the matter nearby. Mm -hmm. There are two different kinds of black holes. One is a stellar mass, and that is what's left behind when a star explodes, and they are about 20 times the mass of the sun. The next and largest are called supermassive black holes. <laughs> they have the mass of one million suns together. Oh my god. Scientists have found proof that there are supermassive black holes in the center of every galaxy. The Milky Way oh has God. a supermassive black hole called Sagittarius. <laughs> so Your namesake. The next thing that, you know, is tied to this and, and what has kept me up is what would happen if you fell into a black hole? I hope you're right. I'm not, but go ahead. <laughs> well, buckle up. And one theory is that you die an instant death. I would hope so. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so here's where it gets wild, so bear with me. Okay. The second theory, now bear with me because it gets pretty wild, is gravity acts with millions of more force. So Einstein's general theory of relativity taught us that gravity warps space and causes it to curve. According to BBC, given a dense enough object, space-time can become so warped that it twists in on itself burrowing a hole through the very fabric of reality like time travel or something yeah what is the fabric of reality like i, there's, I have so many I, questions <laughs> oh so i mean i hope this episode is like kind of a you know a, i'm i'm probably gonna stay up like researching it more because you know i could talk about so many like I didn't even talk about like supernovas or the Milky Way or like the Big Bang. Like there's so many things, but I'm just focusing, like I just wanted to give like a, a a little, so we are in the Milky Way. That is our galaxy. And those were our planets. There's also dwarf planets. There, and, you know, again, there's just so much that is unknown about space. When you enter a black hole, you approach it at the speed of light. But the faster you move through space, the slower you move through time. According to life science, as you fall, there are things that have been fallen in front of you that have experienced a, an even greater time dilation than you have. So you are able to look forward toward the black hole. You see every object that has fallen into, into it in the past. If you look backward, you are able to see everything that will ever fall into the black hole behind you. Sounds like a fever dream. Kind of. Like a... But exactly. It's like you see everything beyond and you see everything that has been. So, I, uh, space, man. so the upshot is 
you'll get to see the entire history of that spot in the universe simultaneously. So from the Big Bang all the way to the distant future. And all of that is a, a quote from Life Science. So uh, so if you were to watch me, and let's say I'm, I'm spiraling towards the black hole. Okay. I would slow down as I enter, and time is different around the hole. So you would see me start to freeze, kind of like if you, you know, in like a horror movie where there's like flashes and like, Mm-hmm. It's basically if you like see a strobe, it's like you you're moving at like intervals, mm-hmm. and then so basically it seems like you're freezing in time, and then you turn red, and then you disappear. So that's you would see me do that. Me on the outside, if I'm I'm looking at it, I'm frozen, but in my perspective, everything around me is is sped up. So what happens next is the, the Immense gravity compresses you horizontally, and you stretch vertically like a noodle. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really painful. I'm sure it's not pleasant. (laughs) I'm a noodle. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there is a scientific term for this. I'm I'm not making this up. It's called spaghettification. (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah, no. Oh my god, that's so funny. No, I believe you. I believe you. No, I got this from NASA. Thing I've ever. You know what? (laughs) Scientists can like, cause, cause they're discovering so many like groundbreaking things and stuff. They can just make. They can do whatever they want. They can be like, yes, spaghettification. I discovered this. You become a noodle. Like I'm gonna call it that. That is so funny. It's like when people name dinosaurs after themselves. Given all this information, my mind starts to go down, if if you will, its own rabbit holes or its own black holes, rather. And I've asked myself this before, like, what if the sun becomes a black hole? Thankfully, the sun is not big enough to explode. Uh, and that's how a black hole is created. So if it were to hypothetically explode with the same mass it is today, it wouldn't impact the orbits of our planets. However, the Earth would like everyone on earth would die because we need the sun to live right so earth and the planets would still do its thing but every everything on earth would die we would freeze to death and like nothing would grow so the good news beyond that is according to nasa there is no way a black hole would eat the galaxy either so not even like a supermassive black hole because you know they get bigger as they start to eat up more matter and what's around it but it, it wouldn't have the gravity, like the force to do that. Well, that's good. So that's reassuring. And that is, you know, a little, a little course on space and how it's, I could go on for days, but I'm, I'm not going to. So, um, you know, if, if there's anything else, you know, I can follow up on anything or, I just, you know, this has been something that has kept me up. We learn about space, like, and all the planets and blah, blah, blah. But at least for me, we learn, well, you went to my high school. We learn more so about, like, evolution and biology and, like, earth science. But there, there's only so much they teach us about space. Yeah. Yeah, space is wild. It, it definitely is. And would you go to space? It depends on the context. Probably not, but if it was like a Star Wars situation or like a Star Trek situation where it's like fine, where they're like on their little 
vehicles and they're I don't know if it was like easy mm. like cars driving so basically, from one planet <laughs> I've never seen either of those so I know. we're working on it we're working on it Elizabeth is trying to convince me but I'm just being a brat and I won't do it <laughs> it's so good <laughs> well my little noodle my little spaghetti my little eventually space will turn noodles into all of us <laughs> so i'm gonna go listen to muse on repeat i'm gonna pass the i'm gonna pass the torch over to you you have um, you have the noodle thank you <laughs> conversation noodle well we, we just talked about space <laughs> now we're gonna talk about something that's not space okay <laughs> actually it's kind of related to twilight no the bachelorette no it's related to something that's been keeping us up at night like the the main thing the election yeah wait can i guess yeah i I seriously have no idea is it the electoral college no okay no 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 i'm not uh, yeah like I, i thought about doing like a serious thing like a going all john oliver but i decided not to we can get we will revisit that for sure i don't want to get political i have a lot right to now. say about electoral college well this anyway. is only vaguely political well okay so it has to do with presidents and basically i wanted to touch on a few presidents who had interesting relationships in their lives like okay romantic relationships so so Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, um, talked a lot about being like potentially the first, (laughs) well, yeah, potentially the first gay president. And I want to pop in and talk about James Buchanan, who was the 15th president and who might steal the spotlight from Pete Buttigieg. Oh, was he closeted? Well, okay, so no one really knows, and, like, the concept of being, quote-unquote, gay, like, wasn't really a thing back then. Mm -hmm. There weren't, like, labels, and people couldn't, like, live their lives, you know, with who they wanted, so it was kind of, like, just sort of, like, your interpersonal relationships were, like, private, and yeah. Sure. So there's a lot of speculation on that end as well. It's like you can't really label him as gay or bi even or like anything because he probably didn't like have labels for it. So James Buchanan was the 15th president of the U.S. Um, from 1857 to 1861. So right after him was Abe Lincoln. Hey. A man Abe. So he he's known as the bachelor president Ooh. and the only president never to marry. He like, never married. So he was the only president in the history of our 45 presidents to not have a spouse. Yeah, he's like, living his life. He, he's comfortable. So I'm not going to like go into great detail about him, but in he's from Pennsylvania originally, so he was a northerner. And in 1819, when he was 28, he was actually engaged to a woman named Ann Coleman. She was the daughter of a rich Pennsylvania iron magnate. Okay. So she was just like living her bougie life. 
but he worked too much and basically neglected her. <laughs> so she was like, no. You're so, a workaholic. Exactly. It's like in all those Hallmark movies. And then she goes to the country and falls in love with like a farmer. She did? No, no, no. Oh. I'm just talking. <laughs> like, oh my God. I'm, I'm reimagining her life. No, actually, it was pretty sad. Oh. She called off the engagement and then died shortly after of hysterical convulsions. Whatever that means. <laughs> there are rumors that she committed suicide, oh. but no one knows for sure. Sad. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. And then Buchanan said afterwards he went into politics to distract from his grief. For context, he was also just like a pretty bad person. I'm sure. Um, he didn't oppose slavery. And he, in the Dred Scott case, which ended up denying freed slaves American citizenship. Hmm. Um, he, like, pushed the Supreme Court to, like, rule that way. Well, he it. deserves to be alone. Yeah. And he he's just, like, consistently ranked as one of the worst presidents ever. Yeah. Okay. So he, he wasn't a very good president, but yep. that's a topic for another episode. Buchanan openly lived with a guy named... William Rufus Devane King. Okay. Fancy. Rufus. Fancy name. William Rufus Devane King. So this man, King, he was also in politics. He was from North Carolina originally, but during his time in politics, he was a senator in, of Alabama, ambassador to France, and also Franklin Pierce's vice president. Him and James lived together for 10 years from 1834 to 1844, and they attended social functions together and stuff, and he didn't marry either. Okay. So they were, they lived together. They met in Washington when they were young politicians. D.C. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Washington, D.C. And yeah, so they lived together for quite a long time, and... Andrew Jackson, who I guess was in the same political circles, called King Miss Nancy, which is, I guess, like a derogatory term for like gay people or LGBT people. Um, But Andrew Jackson, it's worth noting, was also a gigantic asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Andrew Jackson deserves his own episode because he was he was like he was really bad, really bad. Other contemporaries called King Buchanan's, quote, better half, Mrs. B, like Mrs. Buchanan, and another one is Aunt Fancy, which I guess has the same connotation as Miss Nancy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The story that King's descendants tell about his bachelorhood was that in 1817, when he was serving as secretary, um, like American secretary in Russia, he apparently fell in love with Princess Charlotte of Prussia. She was known as Charlotte of Prussia, but her name was Alexandra Fedorovna or whatever. That's weird. Anyway, so the story is that he fell in love with Princess Charlotte when he was in Russia, and then she rejected him, and then he vowed to never love again. That's dramatic. (laughs) What a drama queen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he vowed to never love again, but then he lived with Buchanan for a long time. In one letter in 1844, when... King was ambassador in Paris. Buchanan wrote a letter to a friend complaining about he felt so alone and he couldn't find the right gentleman partner. 
He said, I am now solitary and alone, having no companion in the house with me. I have gone a wooing to several gentlemen, but have not succeeded with any one of them. I feel that it is not good for man to be alone, and should not be astonished to find myself married to some old maid who can nurse me when I am sick, provide good dinners for me when I am well, and not expect from me any very ardent or romantic affection. That, okay. Yep. That's a statement. And then King wrote to him from Paris, I am selfish enough to hope that you will not be able to procure an associate who will cause you to feel no regret at our separation. For myself, I shall feel lonely in the midst of Paris, for here I shall have no friend with whom I shall commune as with my own thoughts. Are these guys okay? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so, to be honest. I don't think so. Talk about a... Um, Buchanan also hung portraits of King and his niece randomly, like, in his house. But a lot of historians, well, okay, so some historians think that they were, like, a thing. Mm -hmm. And some don't think they were a thing. Some historians believe it was just a close friendship, I guess, back then in the 19th century. Intimate male friendships were more common. I don't know exactly what that means, but, like, it was more common for men to be like super close super close and apparently the that style of writing letters was common being dramatic yeah <laughs> everything was way more dramatic well back they then. didn't have like tv to like inspire soap operas so right they, like they had to they had to make their own drama <laughs> which buchanan was apparently very good at historians also note that they lived together in a boarding house in washington dc but Originally, there were a lot of other bachelor politicians who lived there with them, and eventually they all just, like, moved out, or they lost their seats, basically, in Congress. So they left, and then it just left the two of them there. So it's not necessarily like they moved in together. Okay. It just kind of happened. But King, his friend, was also super racist and awful, and really influenced Buchanan's policies. Um, and yeah, King was like really into upholding the South's racial hierarchy. And so people started calling Buchanan a doe face, which is a Northern, someone from the North with Southern principles. And I think it's because of this guy. So he was like a bad influence either way, like no, no matter what they were. Yeah. Anyway. And then after King became vice president for Franklin Pierce, he, like, died right after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Ripperoni. Yeah, that was less exciting than I thought it would be. No, I like it. I like the 19th century drama queen. Mm. Yeah, so that's James Buchanan. A lot of people think he was in a relationship with this man, but some people don't. And no one will ever know because... Like, none of their letters survived. So, would it be a scandal if they were? Especially because, like, people are so, even today, like, there's still people that are very against that. Our teapot just clicked. Good. Good. Unknown. I mean, some people, like, for example, how their contemporary politicians like, had names for them and stuff and, like, knew that they would just go everywhere together and stuff. So, um, I, one source I found kind of touched on that that said, um, 
relationships and things like that were seen as private matters and didn't really have an influence on your public duties okay. and your jobs okay, and sure. stuff. But it, like if they were together, it seems like people knew about it, but he still became president. Um, and then in the 20th century, like um, the classifications sort of started coming up and, and not non-heterosexual relationships were sort of villainized mm-hmm. and seen as like a something that's not good and so that's where then if he had lived a century later it probably would have severely affected his political career i'm sure yeah Mm. so who knows but they both sucked anyway (laughs) so so they were fine for each other i guess i guess i guess all right here's another one grover cleveland so what do you know about grover cleveland anything he stayed at the Congress Plaza. Oh, it's coming full circle right it now. It is. Everything's falling into place. Let me show you a picture of Grover Cleveland. He looks like a grandfather. Yeah. He has a walrus mustache. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't know a whole lot about, like, I hope this doesn't make me sound stupid, but, like, I don't really know about a lot of presidents other than the ones that are, like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt or mm-hmm. John F. Kennedy or, you know. Yeah. Like, no, I don't either. I think a lot of them just didn't do a lot. Right. Or I don't I don't know. So mm-hmm. um, tell me about Grandpa. Well, this is, his, I'm, this is his wife, Frances. Hey, Frances. Okay. She's cute. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that. Oh, no. Don't tell me they're like cousins. No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Okay, so here's here's what happened. Tell me, what's the tea? Okay, so Grover Cleveland, he was the 22nd and the 24th president of the U.S. He served two non-consecutive terms. And his wife, Frances, um, she was also known as Frank. It's like her nickname. Okay. Folsom, she was born into a wealthy family. And Grover Cleveland was her father's law partner. Okay. And a close family friend. And then, so, yeah, so here's the thing, right? So he was good friends with her father, and they worked together. And he was, he first met Frances, his wife, when she was born. And he bought her her first baby carriage and, like, doted on her growing up, basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then her father died in a carriage accident when she was 11. Oh, the baby carriage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just going to take it for a spin. It was a trap laid from the very start. <clears throat> her father died in a carriage accident. <laughs> a baby carriage accident. <laughs> It's not that funny, but it's pretty funny. Imagine one of those like old fashioned like buggies. (laughs) Look at this. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, it wasn't that funny. All right, (laughs) all right. So her father died in a carriage accident when she was 11, and (laughs) guess who became her legal guardian? No. (laughs) No. Get off the ride. Get off. 
Yes. It's just a, it's a Woody Allen shit. All right. So Grover Cleveland became her legal guardian. Her mom was still alive. So mm. it's not like she was like an orphan and he was like raising her, I guess. But he was her, technically her legal guardian. And then when she went to college, they started writing letters to each other. <laughs> he slid into her DMs. I slid into her post box. <laughs> exactly. That's what he did. <laughs> and so they got friendly that way, I guess. Oh, my God. And then, and so at this point, he is the president. Oh. And so he came into office not being married. Okay. But then um, everyone, like the public, thought that he would marry her mother. But then in 1885, he proposed to Francis instead. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then she went to Europe because she was going anyway. And then she came back and married him in 1886. It was actually um, the first wedding of an incumbent president in the White House. They got married in the White House. He was 49 and she was 21. But the public, like, really liked her and they, like, didn't care. Like, no no one was like, this is kind of weird. Well, it would be now. I'm just saying. But... Yeah. All right. Well, I hope they go on. Go on. I'm just. <laughs> I mean, that's like pretty much it. The public adored her. She was known for her fashion sense and um, for wearing very low cut dresses. I mean, you know, the more power to her. Yeah. I, I I think that's great. And she even styled her husband because he liked he was kind of a bigger guy and he liked to wear really baggy clothes. And she was like offended by that. So she would like kind of take over his wardrobe a little bit good for her she had five children with him and yeah and then he died in 1908 and she got remarried in 1913 okay she was the first presidential widow to remarry okay who Um, did she remarry an archaeology professor cool who was actually closer to her in age but she was very pro world war one and she w- she got kind of wacky there at the end. She was trying to convince people that, like, the U.S. population, like, parts of it were, quote-unquote, unassimilated. I don't really know what that means. And in a sense, um, that was preventing the country from working together. And she was trying to psychologically indoctrinate school children to be in favor of the war. And she also campaigned against women's suffrage. She said that women weren't yet intelligent enough to vote. So, All right, Franny, you had me and then you <laughs> lost me. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Good day to you, madam. Right. Frank. Frank. <laughs> One newspaper clipping I found said that when, well, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, newspapers back then, it was sort of like no rules, so people probably just made a lot of stuff up but sure so there was one newspaper article um that said okay and this is all a quote when little Frances was eight years old she was sitting on uncle grover's lap one day entertaining him with childish prattle of what she should do when she grew up into a big lady it was about the time of nelly grant's marriage in the white house which had formed a topic of family talk I'm going to have a nice white satin dress and get married in the White House, too, she lisped. But I thought you were going to marry me, and I should wait for you, laughingly returned Mr. Cleveland. 
Of course it will be for you, for you will grow up to be president then, said the child knowingly. When Cleveland, um, yeah, so there's like this little anecdote about how like she was a kid when she was eight and she was like, I'm going to marry you. And he's like, yeah, and, and it was weird and gross. Okay, one more scandalous fact about Grover Cleveland. I'm ready. Is the Buffalo Evening Telegraph newspaper broke a story during his first campaign for the White House that 10 years before he had a kid, like an illegitimate child, had a child with a woman named Maria Halpin. Okay. And she filed an affidavit against him and named the child after him. And she said actually that the affair was not consensual that he, and he denied that and then he won the presidency <laughs> and he still and he became won. president which is nothing new but yeah she named the kid after him and then he sent the child to an orphanage and then had her committed to an asylum oh my noodles i am <laughs> yeah the reason for that is he said that she slept around with married men and that's why she was committed to the asylum i am so mad yeah dude like dude this man like toxic toxic man oh yeah i know and you know that like she couldn't have done that to him right or like she couldn't have a say like once it was determined Mm -hmm. like yeah but so he's pretty bad I I don't know, honestly, a ton about what he did as president because he did a lot of stuff, but on a personal level, he was not very good. Although Francis seemed to be relatively happy with him, but also it's weird and gross. Well, they're also both weird and gross. Like, you know, she had me when she was a young jet setter, fashionista, like super whatever, and then, ooh. All right. One last, one last president. Okay brief a brief one is andrew jackson and as mentioned before he deserves his own episode because he was a bad person well i mean this is technically things we wish we learned in school or awful people so yeah so he checks both boxes it's a double whammy love it yeah so his wife he had a wife named rachel hey rachel hey rachel and she got married. She was married before, actually, at the age of 17. Can you imagine? No. Right? Yeah. So Rachel first got married at 17, but she really didn't like her husband. So why did she get married? Well, was- I don't know. She just wasn't happy in her marriage, which happens. And So she wasn't happy in her marriage, so she got married. No, 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 no. She She wasn't after she got married. She wasn't happy. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, then Andrew Jackson met her somehow, and they dated. Wait, I thought you meant the wedding was to Andrew. Oh, no, no, no. I missed that. Okay, I'm sorry. That was just me. No, no. Not piecing it together. It's okay, yeah. So she, Rachel got married at 17, and then she wasn't happy with her husband. So then she dated Andrew Jackson, or like, he said he courted her. And they actually lived together before they got married. That's scandalous. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So they got married then. 
1791. Just so long ago. Um, but the thing is, her divorce didn't finalize until 1793 from her first husband. So technically, they were a throuple. I mean, like, not really. Because <laughs> I'm sure Andrew Jackson was not in a relationship with her ex-husband. Of course. Mm. Although we cannot confirm that. <laughs> so she was married technically to two men for a couple of years. And apparently Jackson's contemporaries like to make fun of him for it. And he just like did not react very well to to that. So Tennessee Governor John Sevier made a joke about it. Um, and then him and Andrew Jackson got in a gunfight, which I think was his response to most things. Um, he got in, in another duel with a guy named Charles Dickinson in 1806 after Charles Dickinson was, like, arguing with him about a horse race and insulting his wife because she was married to two men. And Andrew Jackson ended up killing him. So he just, like, killed people who... What? Eventually, his wife Rachel died in 1828. So they were married for about 30 years. But he, I think he kind of thought part of it was because people kept making fun of him for her. But also his presidential campaign was really stressful. So that could have been a cause. Um, but yeah, there, there's like more, more to his obviously presidency and like other crazy shit he did. But another day, another day. So, I mean... Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. There are more, I'm sure, because, yeah. I mean, pe- like, people back, I don't I don't know. Like, people in history sometimes seem so much weirder than people today. Like, they just did really weird things. Not saying that, um, like, James Buchanan being gay is weird. Right. Or that's not what I'm talking about. But, like, these other two. Well, like, yeah, marrying your stepchild. Yeah, I mean, like, Woody Allen did that. So, I guess that's still happening. But, I don't know. It's just, like, people just got away with things that were so strange. Yeah. So, that's all I got about that. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to episode 6 of the Insomnia Report. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. Yeah, so whether you have a question, comment, concern, if you have your own personal report that you want to share, if you have insight on an episode, we would love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening. We would love to give credit to the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish and music production is by Justin Toome. And our art is by Erica Chase. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Tune in next week where we will cover true crime. Ooh. Thanks again for listening. It means a lot to us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And yeah. hang in there. That's that's it. Hang in there. Um, stay sleepy. Stay sleepy. Bye. Bye.